Well, we are. We're going to talk about the fear of the Lord again today. Uh, this is kind of the concluding message for our Sunday morning. I'll be talking about it Wednesday night, but this is the conclusion of us talking about the fear of the Lord in this way. Now, now certainly some have asked me to continue. So we're going to continue in a way. But this, uh, the fear of the Lord came in to us at this season by us making room in our heart for more of the Holy Spirit. As we desired more of the Spirit of God in our life, as we desired more of God, then we began to look for ways how we could do that. What could we do that to, to activate a greater measure of the Spirit of God in our life? And, we, and we, in, the, in the search, we found that the fear of God is probably the major way. If you're needing God to move in your life, then just determine, I'm going to fear God more. Find a way, and we're going to talk about that this morning a little bit, how to locate ways in our life to where we can have a greater measure of the fear of God. So that God can come to our rescue. Amen. In fact, that's what the Bible says. It said, because of these promises, the Lord wants to do that. Now, I have two books. I'm not preaching to you out of both of them. Or, as one preacher says, after our next three short hours in the Word. No, we... <laughs> but, uh, but one of these books is filled full of the benefits of the fear of the Lord. I've just got page after page after page after page of, of the benefits. There's over 400 scriptures in your Bible talking about the fear of the Lord and what the fear of the Lord can do in your life. Wow. And out of 400 scriptures, there's, there's powerful benefits. Hey, Ronnie. There's powerful benefits that deal with almost every area of our life. And let me tell you, the fear of God has its benefits to things that really matter, that really matter, even length of life, even helping finances, raising of children, all of those are benefits, the Bible says, that come by way of promises of the fear of God. Now, a lot of times we talk about the fear of God, people say, I don't want to fear God. But we do want to fear God. We don't want to be afraid of God. We, uh, afraid is not what God's asking us, just to fear Him and reverence Him and to be awed by Him and acknowledge Him and to submit and surrender to Him. He does want in the midst of our life. So we're going to talk about that. And this is really the last... This is the very first message God had me to get together to come and speak. But ever since then, I hadn't got to speak it. We always, there's too much to talk about on the fear of the Lord. But today, I'm going to try to deal with the very first message that God spoke to my heart to bring to this church about the fear of the Lord. Okay, let me get the book straight. Stephen, if you would, just, if you could have borrowed you just a quick minute. You can walk faster than my wife. And, uh, but that, that's loaded with benefits. How I many are thankful for the benefits that God, that God gives us in the, in the midst of our life? Praise the Lord. All right, if you have your Bibles, we're going to open it right over to the book of Deuteronomy, and we're just going to kind of dive in. Now, there's over 400 scriptures in your Bible about the fear of God, so there's so many different way, places that we could dive into it. But today we're going to talk about what the fear of God desires to produce in your life. And I believe this is the greatest thing that the, that the fear of God can do. And that's not underestimate the wonderful things that He can do. 
uh, heal, deliver, help, strengthen, guide. All those things are benefits of the fear of the Lord. But today, in my life, this has probably been the most precious. Because God did something in me through the fear of God that I could not do myself. And God created something in me that I could not do myself. And many of you, God's done that very same thing. Book of Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 12. It says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord require? Well, everybody asks, what does the Lord require? He said, what does the Lord require of you? He said, but to fear the Lord. That's, that's what God's requiring. That, that I would fear Him, reverence Him, be awed by Him, be amazed by Him. And what does the but to fear the Lord and to walk in all His ways. Wow. And to love Him and to serve Him with all my heart and with all my soul. That's what the will of God is. Somebody says, I don't know what the will of God is. Yes, you do. Now you know. <laughs> now you know the will of God. That's why He says, what do you do? What can I do? What's the Lord requiring? All right, then Jeremiah chapter 32 is also a powerful verse. Because God told me I didn't have to do this on my own. <laughs> Man, when we talk about fear of God and things, but I don't have to do it on my own. It says in Jeremiah 32, 39, I will give them one heart. Well, can you just hear God? Said, what I'm asking you to do is to be hard. It could be hard for you, but I'm going to give you the spirit to do it. Now, I just want you to know, as we talk about the fear of God this morning, God's not asking you to do it by yourself. God said, I'm going to give you one heart and I'm going to give you one way that they may fear me forever. So what God's doing in us, it will be enough to last forever. Forever. Amen. Are you guys, y'all, y'all stand up with me. All right, great. All right. That they may fear me forever for their own good. Then the Lord tells me the two wonderful benefits of it. The two wonderful benefits is so God can be good to me. Literally, we block the blessings of God in our life all the time. We're our own, we're our worst enemy. And that's what I'm going to talk about today, in fact. We're our worst enemy. I know the devil's out there, but, but I tell you, he, the devil doesn't have anything with some of you. Because you're your worst enemy. We, we, we block the blessings of God. So God says that the reason he's going to do this, give us the fear of the Lord. And help us to work with it in our life. Give us a spirit where we can work with it. He tells us the answer. So he says, well, I'm be good to you. I mean, it's God's will to be good to you. I, I, some people think God is so hard and so mean. I want to tell you, God is so sweet and he's so good and he's so kind and he's so gentle and he's so wonderful. And God says two reasons so I can be good to you and then I can be good to those that matter to you. That's what he said, be good to your children. It's the will of the Lord for God to be good to you. Now, some of you may have been raised, you may have been raised with a hard parent, hard family, hard situation, and you may not understand that, but God's going to help you to. That's why He gives us this wonderful spirit of the fear of the Lord. Because God's going to help us to understand God really wants to be good to me. And God wants to be good to my kids. So many times as parents, we think we've got to, com- got to convince God to be good to our kids, you know. It's like, man, you, we see them for what they are, and so, so many times... It's, we, we don't want God to see what they did that deserves a spanking. And so we look at it differently. 
But God says, I want to be good to you, and I want to be good to your kids. Now, I've got to really roll if I'm talking about this. All right. Now, just to understand that fear of the Lord is for everybody. All right. Uh, every person in the Old Testament uh, that did acts of honor, they all had this to their resume. Uh, they feared the Lord. Every person, every person that lived an honored life in the Old Testament... They were had this said about them, or this was about them, that they feared the Lord. Now, Jesus feared God. Now, we say, oh, if anybody shouldn't fear God, it should be Jesus. But look at Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 very quickly and just see how Jesus feared God. It said, in the days of his flesh, talking about Jesus, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications and loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard, why? Because of his godly fear. But not only was Jesus, the early disciples, the early disciples, a lot of times we, we tend to think fear of God is something just for Old Testament. No, it's, it's forever. Everybody say it forever. It's forever. And, and then in Acts chapter 9, 31, it's, it was for his, the early disciples said, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee, see, that's the church, book of Acts, the first church, so the church throughout all of Judea and all of Galilee and all of Samaria enjoyed peace being built up and going in the fear of the Lord. So the fear of the Lord was not only for Jesus and not only Old Testament, but now we find it is for the disciples, the disciples by the Lord. But not only was it for the disciples, it was for all believers. And that's why I said Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1, it shares it with us. Now there's lots of scriptures that we could use to share this, but this one explicitly talks about it's all believers because we have these promises. Somebody say, because we have these promises. Somebody hold up a a book of those promises. Anybody got one of those? Yeah, there's over 7,000 in that book. And it's because of this. That's going back to where God said, because I want to be good to you. See, God wants to be good to us. So God has given us 7,000 promises that deal with everything you could ever need. There is no issue that you could have that the Word of God does not address. And because God has given us all these promises, notice why I said, Dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body and our spirit. And let us work toward complete holiness. Because, why? Because we fear God. Amen? Well, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, we're talking about it's for all believers. It says, honor all people. These are the requirements for uh, New Testament believers. Honor all people. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honor the king. All right? And then not only was it for believers, it's for anybody that wants to minister. It's, it's for anybody that wants to minister or wants be in the ministry or, or that wants to be used by God. In Jude chapter 1, verse 23, it says, Save others by snatching them out of the fire. Have mercy on others coupled with a fear of God. So whatever your ministry is, it has supposed to be coupled with the fear of God. Whatever God's calls you to do or wants you to do is to be coupled with the fear of God. Now, not only is it for Old Testament, New Testament, believers, ministers, all of those, but it's for eternity. And that's why Revelation chapter 14, verse 6 and 7, and verse 7 says, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give Him glory. That's what takes place in heaven. So, now, last week we dealt with the two major, uh, we dealt with one, the first major issue of, of the trait of fearing God. 
And this trait is to be in all of our lives if we're going to fear God. And that one we dealt with the last week was that people that fear the Lord are committed to God. Everybody say committed to God. They obey God. They're committed to God, man. If you're not committed to the Lord, that means you don't fear God. Because if you fear God, you're going to be committed to the Lord. Man, that's proven in Genesis chapter 22, right back at the very beginning, the father of our faith, Abraham, when he was, when God gave him the test, remember in, in Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, God gave him the test. God said, I'm going to test you today. If, if you, if you want to know why certain things happen in our lives, God is performing a test. It's not a bad test. It's a good test. And that's what happened in Abraham. Notice what he said in verse 12. He said, don't lay a hand on the young or on, on the boy or do nothing to harm him. For now I know that you fear the true God. So, I mean, the Lord may be giving you a test to see if you fear him, see if you trust him. I mean, what's going on in your life? It may not look good. And you may say, God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you leave me? And God said, it's just a test. It's just a test. And the Lord wants to know he's still testing us to see if we really fear God. And, and I, I look back over my life and so many times the Lord has tested me and to, to see if I really feared him. Now, a few times, uh, most of the time, it's a for real test. <laughs> I mean, it's a for real part of life. That there has been a few times, though, that the Lord would do me like you, just like it did Abraham. He said, I just wanted to know if he was willing. I just wanted to know if you would do it. I just wanted to know if you would trust me. I just wanted to know if you would step out and believe me. And so, I call that a not real test. <laughs> All right, so it's real important, then. That we, that God, we realize God wants me to live this life of obedience. And if I live this life of obedience to God, then that is the fear of God. That's the trait of the fear of God. Now, the second thing. Now, the second thing that God wants to see in my life is that people that really fear the God live consecrated lives. So God's asking for a life of obedience. And then he's asking for a life of consecration. Those two are the major things when it deals with the fear of God. God's looking for people that will live a consecrated life to Him, a separate life, a sanctified. We use all those spiritual terms. A sanctified life. One that, a life that is set apart to Him and for Him. Now, the Lord is requiring that. Now, there's a lot of scriptures that, that were said, but none greater than the one that we've already used this morning, where it said in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, it says, because we have these promises. Isn't it God? God knows how to entice us. I mean, because we have so many wonderful promises, let us cleanse ourselves. You see that? It says, cleanse ourselves. Now, it'd be good if God said, I'm going to clean you up. Now, I have to admit, when I came to the Lord, God did a lot of cleaning up. But there were some things in my life that God didn't clean up. That God expected me to clean up because I love Him. And God left those issues in my life. And then it's up to me at those points to not think it doesn't matter to God, but to live a consecrated life. But I have to realize this matters to God. God just has His grace that's going to be available to help me, 
to clean that part of my life up. Now, I tell you what, I married a woman. Brianna, I, I tell you, I, Lane was one of the... Uh, you don't call them the best cussers in the world, do you? How do you say that? She just cursed a lot. And both of us got saved at the same time. So it was real interesting. As I watch God, <laughs> as I watch God begin to clean her mouth up, and then she'd always look at me and say, "When are you going to get it done?" You know. <laughs> but the but the process is that God does a lot of work for us. That He you know anything that you couldn't do by yourself, you can guarantee God's already done it for you. But then God wants you to learn to use His grace and to use His strength. In fact, one of the greatest things about the fear of the Lord is going to teach all of us to be a warrior for Jesus. And the greatest thing in the, in the, in the, in the world is that in the process of me learning to war over me, because <laughs> I am my worst enemy, me learning to war fair over me, I become prepared to war over you in Jesus' name. Because then what I do in working in me, then I get to turn and watch God and pray and intercede and walk with you and help others. Praise God. Amen. In fact, God just says that same grace you received, I'm, I'm going to give you that grace to be able to pour it out to others. So one of the greatest things that God does in the process of it is I'm learning to consecrate my life to Him. God wants to teach me. Man, that's where I learned to pray. That's where I learned to speak to the devil when the devil was lying to me. That's where I learned to call out for God to rescue me. I mean, all of that process came by me trying to present my life as a consecrated vessel to the Lord. So we no longer try to excuse ourselves, but we learn to use the powerful blood of Jesus. And in this process, God gives us powerful weapons. And I'll tell you what, when you can use the weapons of God's warfare to work on you, all of a sudden you become totally convinced these weapons work, man. They work. They change me. They help turn my life around, and I know that they'll work for you for the glory of God. All right, so the Bible says that let us cleanse ourselves, it says. It says cleanse ourselves from everything. Boy, don't you just wish, that David, that the Lord put... The word some things in this word, in this scripture, that would have been a lot easier on me if, if the Lord would have put some things. Because that's the way most people live. Most people live a life, some things they've yielded to the Lord. Some things I've committed to God. Some things I've trusted into the Lord. But that's not what it says. The, the Bible says that we cleanse ourselves from everything that would defile what? Our body and our spirit. Now, most of us in the New Testament, we think, well, God only cares about the Spirit. But we find out that God's concerned about the temple being presented unto Him. In fact, the ability the ability to present your temple as a holy sacrifice unto the Lord qualifies you to help others do that very same thing. So it says that, I, that from everything that defiles my body and my spirit. We still got that scripture up here? Yeah. Okay. And let us work toward complete... Man, don't you... 
Don't you wish that God didn't use words like complete and everything? And he used words like some things and just try to get there and just try your best and just do your best and it'll work for you. But see, if you're facing cancer, just doing your best won't work for you anymore. Or if you're facing issues that are facing turnaround things in your family, man, just doing your best, you know. I tell you what, when you face a serious thing, all of a sudden you find out this is serious. And I've got to get down to business with the Lord and got to find out ways to turn big things around for the glory of God. And God will use you to learn to turn big things. Somebody shout big thing. Big things around for his glory in Jesus name. So, uh, so it's so true. All right. I'm going to ask you, how much of your life are you willing to change, to have, to have a greater measure of God in your life? I mean, how much, how much of your life are you willing to allow God to work in you, to bring about the change, to have a greater measure of God in your life? I mean, we all have to answer that. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to do a little bit of changing. I'm, I'm willing to change. And that's the way Lane and I try to deal with each other for years. I'll change if you'll change. You'll change if I'll change. But we found out that kind of change didn't work at all. Somebody has got to be committed. And you know, that's why even in relationships between husband and wives, the Bible tells us we submit to each other in the fear of the Lord. Because it's the fear of God that changes marriages, too. It's the fear of God that brings in submission to I'm going to talk about the third thing now. The fear of God causes us to live the, with a quality of life that will completely trust Him. In fact, the, this word trust is not this little thing that we could just say, well, you know, God, uh, take it or leave it. This word trust is what puts us on the offense against the devil. Because everything that you're trusting God to do, the devil is trying to stop you from doing it. Everything that, all that good, remember why God's doing this? Because God wants to be good to me and God wants to be good to my children. Though God has given me the spirit of the fear of God to help me do that. And in the, in the process of that, I, I trust God. In fact, that's what the, the Scripture says just so beautifully in uh, Psalms chapter 115, verse 11. Do we have that one? It says, those who fear the Lord, what do they do? They trust in the Lord. Wow, that's just all night. You fear God, you trust God. I mean, you fear the Lord, you trust God. Uh, but when you trust God, that puts you in direct opposition to what the devil is trying to do in your life. Because God is giving you the trust, power, to be able to believe Him over whatever it is that the devil has assigned against your life. So, the trust, because we trust. See, a lot of times we think, well, I just trust God. And we, we see, all of a sudden we see the, the, tiptoeing through the tulips and we see everything just little and nice. But that's not the way it is. Man, I tell you what, when you talk about trusting God, you're talking about putting on the full armor of God. You're talking about God creating a warrior. All of a sudden you find out this stuff is not easy. This stuff is tough. This stuff is made for the men that are the women that really will be men and women. This thing, it takes business to be able to handle it. So in the process of it, God makes it. Now, as we, as the fear of God 
causes us to trust God, it also causes us to hate evil. In fact, it's a love-hate. Uh, on one, one area, I, the, the fear of God, I love God. Uh, but if I love God and if I fear God, there's something else that's working inside of me. Uh, notice what it says in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. All who fear... There's that word all again, Brother Don. They're, all who fear the Lord will hate evil. You don't have a choice, honey. <laughs> if you fear God, God builds supernaturally a hatred of evil in you. I tell you why I hate evil. I love people, and I love the people that evil is trying to use, but I hate the evil. Last night, can you imagine what evil did? Can you imagine that the homes that were split up last night has went through a weekend without God? Can you imagine the, the murders that took place last night? Can you imagine the rapes that took place last night? I hate evil. I hate what the enemy is trying to do in people's lives. So there's this side of God. If, as we fear the Lord, man, this builds up inside this hatred of evil. And do you want to be a warrior? You've got to have that love-hate relationship. You've got to let God build it inside you. You've got to quit being a wimp. You've got to be a strong person in the Lord. You've got to be able to make a stand. Say, I'm going to stand on this promise. And devil, you throw what you want to at me, but it will not stop me from believing God. I'm going to trust God. Amen. And God begins to work in the midst of your life. It's just love hate. Because, but, but not only... Did God called me to hate evil? Then there's come these other responsibilities that I've been mentioning earlier. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7, notice what it says. Be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord. Don't, don't try to work it out yourself as that. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So, now there's a hatred of evil. But man, I hate. And what do you call evil? Evil is anything that God's not in. That God's not like. I mean, there's two major forces on this world. And there's God and there's the devil. You make a choice where what side is going to be your source. But I tell you, I learned a long time ago that God better be my source. And so you've got, you've got the decision to make. Either God, most people wingle wangle in between somewhere. They, they're like, they're, they're wingling wangling. Oh, no, and yeah, oh, yeah. They're in between that. And God can never do anything good in that life. If you want God to do something, you're going to have to get on God's side. And you're going to have to fear God to the point to where it causes you, number one, to hate evil, but number two, it causes you to turn. And I told him in early service this morning, if you turn enough, it won't be long till you get the next phase. And that next phase is Proverbs chapter 16, verse 6. But mercy and truth, in iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. God first starts off building a hatred for evil in you. And that's why it's just so important. See, your flesh may not hate evil, but your heart can hate evil. And you need to run your life in accordance with that, that heart. And you need to begin to speak out your mouth how much you hate evil. 
Even, listen, honey, even whatever your body may be siding with, don't you let your body rule your life. You begin to speak out your mouth, I hate evil. I hate those things. I hate those things that's destroying marriages. I hate those things that are destroying families. I hate those things that are destroying bodies. I hate cancer. I hate these issues. I hate these things. Now, if you would begin to say that and speak out through the power of proclamation and declaration, if you will begin to do that, it won't be long. You will be able to start turning away from it. And you'll get off here and there will be that lousy thing again and you'll turn away from it. And you'll get over here and there it'll be again and you'll turn away from it. Then they'll get over here and you'll turn. But in the, eventually in your turning, there's going to be power come that will give you the ability to depart from it. Once and for all, you can walk away from that thing for good. I'm here to tell you, there may be addictions that's been in your family, been in your family for years and years, honey, and you may not see a way to get free. I'm here to tell you, God has a way to get you free. And in your state that you're in right now, you just begin to say, I hate that evil. I hate that. Even when you're still partaking of something, you begin to hate. I remember KT. KT was such a precious friend of ours. Man, KT had been on drugs for so many years. In fact, KT could not go uh, just a very few minutes without having a hit. So what KT would do, I didn't realize this about him at that time. KT would drive up on these grounds and KT would take a hit. And then he'd come into church. And he would sit in his church as long as he could. I did kept noticing, man, where's that guy going? He met my preaching. What he would do, he would slip out. He'd go get another hit. And then he'd come and sit in his church. Somebody says, man, when I get it all cleaned up, I'll go to church. I couldn't do that, honey. I mean, my life was a mess when I came. KT's was too. And KT continued his progression of hating evil, wanting to be free, but seeing that freedom was escaping him. It came a day. KT went from 10 minutes to 15 minutes to 20 minutes, to 30 minutes, to 45 minutes, to 60 minutes, to an hour and a half. And then he'd stay there after service. He'd be here long lengths of time. In fact, let me tell you what. KT finally moved into this church. He literally moved here because he had found God so real it had freed him from the drugs. Let me tell you another story. KT was older, but he so loved God, he moved into this church building. I mean, this is where he, man, he would, this is, hey, you're, you're in his uh, living room right now. And you're, because KT would not, he could not, he would feel, go away. God knew that KT had a short time. KT went to be with the Lord. Standing in this church, free of drugs, free completely, happy as could be. Now, 
KT helped us build churches. He helped us build the one in El Dorado. He just, he was so involved. He was involved in ministry here. And he was so wonderful. I tell you, God took the latter part of his life and just blessed him, man. I can still hear him laughing. He went from a sad person to a happy person. I tell you, that's what God can do in the midst of your life. And he went from a bound person into somebody that was not bound. Because the fear of God kept growing in his heart. So you don't give up on it, honey. You just continue to hate evil. Pastor, you understand this stuff's got a hold to me. Just hate it, honey. Even when you don't feel like you hate it, you learn to hate it. And you begin to say, I hate it. And you keep saying, I hate it. Until God's going to give you the power to begin to turn away from it. And then it won't be long till you have the power to depart from it for the glory of God. Can you say amen? Let's give the Lord a hand for KT and, and what he does. Well, it's time for us to stop, and so we need to bring it to the close. But God has things to help you. God's going to use the fear of God. The Lord's going to use the promises of God to be to promote it in your life. But then God's going to use the fear of God to help you to know, I've, I've got some changing to do because God wants to consecrate my life. I need my life to be pleasing to God. I need to live a consecrated life to the Lord. And God's got some wonderful weapons for you. And God's going to help you to be that warrior and to be that soldier. Because God has looked on your life and He's seen the bondage. And it's hurt Him to see you bound. And so God says, I'm going to find a way to free you. And that's what the fear of God is all about. The freedom of the Lord. So as we stop right here, I just want to see. Does anyone want to stand and say, Jerry, I've got some bondage going on in my life. And, you know, there were times, I mean, different kinds of bondages helped me. Now, I had a bondage of anger that was so real in my life. That's one of those things God didn't free me out of. I hated it. I hated, I hated what anger was doing to me and I hated what anger was doing to those that I loved. But not only anger, there's, there's been so many other insecurity and fear. For so many years, I allowed my life to be under the bondage of insecurity and fear and I'm so afraid and so much control and so much feeling of worthlessness and so many issues and I didn't know that God had come to really set me free. And if I would allow the fear of God to work in me, and if I'd be willing to war against these things, and if I would be willing to fight against these things, if I would be willing to allow His grace to strengthen me, I could eventually win over these things. Because what God wanted, God wanted my life to unfold a life. God wanted me to be a product of His grace. And God wanted me to be able to show the world it works. Man, 
in Jesus' words. And I'll tell you what, God's still working on me. Now, don't listen to Elaine. Don't anybody listen to Elaine. But God is still working on me. But there's so many issues, isn't it, Brother William? There's so many things that God has already brought us over. If you've been serving the Lord for any length of time, you know that God has been working in your life. But if there's a bondage going on in your life and you say, you know, Jerry, I, I, I want to make a dedication to the Lord that I'm going to fight this. But I just want you to stand right where you're seated at. Would you do that? Got some things going on in my life that I just know not right. And, and I, 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 want to, I want to allow the fear of God to help me. I, I just want to allow the, the fear of the Lord to help me. You know, here at this church, one thing that's real common is that we ask the Lord to forgive us a lot. And the reason that we do that, because we, we try to develop it as a way of life into us. That, because one of the greatest things that we never want to do, do we, Billy? We don't want everyone to excuse our wrong. We want to learn to constantly bring our wrong to the foot of the cross. And so a lot of people, some people have even thought that I, I press that too far. But, but I want your heart to always be tender for the Lord. I, I want God to be able to convict us and to be able to bring us to that place to where that we're tender to ask God to forgive us. So why don't we just start right there? That's the first thing you start with bondage. You just simply start there and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I ask forgiveness, Lord, for any part that I've played in, in causing this bondage to be in my life. Go ahead and talk to the Lord. Lord, I ask your forgiveness for any part that I played, Lord, in this bondage in my life. See, some of that bondage, you didn't, you didn't play a part. Somebody else played a part. Somebody else hurt you, stabbed you, did you wrong laid the wrong patterns down for you. But that's where the power of redemption comes in, if God's able to come to redeem our lives. So in the name of Jesus, Lord, we ask for your forgiveness. And then, Lord, we ask you that, Lord, that you would put the strength of a warrior inside our heart. Lord, the Bible tells us that we're to fight a warfare as a good soldier of the cross. So, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we ask you right now for the, the strength and the grace and the power of God to come out of this thing. Lord, help me, God, to turn away from it and to eventually be able to depart from it, Lord. Lord, cause your fear to work in me, Lord, to to give me that grace to to turn from it, Lord, that I may eventually completely depart from that being in my life. In Jesus' name, we pray. Now, there's another leg to this that I just felt in the Lord there. There's, There's somebody... Most of the things that go on in our life, God will help us. We call it self-deliverance. I mean, God will help you to get the grace of God and you'll learn to fight it. But sometimes it's gone past that. Sometimes it's gone to a place of bondage. Where the enemy, the open door to the enemy has been there to where now the enemy has, has taken a step. That's what was Peter, you know, when 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 
when the Lord dealt with Peter and, and the issues that he was coming, Peter said, Lord, this is what I'm thinking. And God said, that's not what you're thinking. That's what the devil's thinking through you. And at those points where the enemy has been trying to set up bondage in our life, we need that third part of the gospel, and that is we need people that believe in driving the devil away. I'm just going to quickly ask you, if anyone here this morning that feels like what I'm going through may not be natural. I mean, what I'm going through, it may have a supernatural origin. And if so, I'm going, we're going to close service, but I'm going to pray for you, and I want you to come. Come right now, if you would. If you, if you need a freedom working in your life, I'm going to invite you to come. If, if what you're fighting is things more than natural, then I want you to know we're a people that believe in the supernatural ability of God to set people free. Praise God. Sometimes the battle goes worse than it is. Thank you. Thank God. Sometimes the battle is bigger than us. And we need a freedom in the Lord. Yes. Does anyone else want to join this? Is anyone else? Is the Lord dealing with your life? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I've walked that aisle so many times when I knew what I was fighting was stronger than me. I've walked that aisle so many times knowing that I needed help to be able to break this thing off my life. Does anyone else want to join these? Hey, yes, Lord. Anyone else? Anyone else want to come? Anyone else want to come? Well, we're going to move into prayer for these wonderful people. Let's first give them a hand because that was hard to do. Man, that was hard to do. And Stephen's going to come. He's going to go ahead and close our service out. But as we close the service, then we're going to be praying for you. I want you guys to stay right here. I want my prayer, prayer leaders to come on if you would. And prayer leaders, if you would, find someone that, that here that you, that you sense in the Lord that needs the freedom from it. And... Uh, all right, now let me let me let me tell you a little bit about let, let me give a little schooling here, okay? When somebody wants freedom, come to their front because you're gonna face that devil with them. Come around to their front. Come on, come on, come around to their front. Come around to the person at the front that you're praying for because God's given us an authority. Oh, there you go, there you go. I right, come around to their front. Yeah, come around their front. Because God has sent you with an authority to help them in their life, praise God.